<laughs> the official episode is recording now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I appreciate the reminder. Say the thing, Bryce. What? Say the thing. Say the uh, thing. Congratulations. You've found volume five of the Rock of Shame podcast, the backlog busting, deep diving music podcast where we discover something new every single week. I am your host, the bad boy Bryce Reed. I am joined by the one and only Greg Plord. I am the one and only. Anyone else claiming so shall be slapped. You ever, you ever like go on Facebook and look for other people named Greg Plord? I remember back in like middle school or high school, I think I googled like how many Greg Plords there were in America and like came up with four results. <laughs> so I am unique. I think the other a, shall perish. I think there's a football player that has my name. Um that's why on Twitter I'm at Real Bryce Reed. Uh mostly because I thought it would be funny if there's also a famous person with my name that I would take the one that sounds like a famous person's uh, Twitter handle. Uh, Drew is also here. My boy, the stream daddy himself, Drew Peak, on the show. Oh, this stream be bussin' respectfully. <laughs> Sheesh! <laughs> God damn it. I don't know what the fuck Sheesh. just happened. Sheesh! <laughs> just trying to... Uh connect with my fellow zoomers because i was oh, totally i was it's born in 2001 youth. dude yeah <laughs> mentally plus <laughs> plus nine years drew over, <laughs> uh drew uh has been shot twice i have been shot twice i've been shot once but will be shot twice when when's your day next monday before Ooh. the day before we've, we've collectively episode. been shot just about as many times as 50 cent except All, he, his were bullets and then ours yeah he got shot nine times yeah he got shot nine times everybody knows oh, yes. two-thirds of the way there at max i knew this because i was told it a hundred times while i was drawing that fucking s you know the fucking s that everybody drew uh i was just i was or is it an eight i don't know no that uh, was an s <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're new to the show, let me give you the good news. Each week, these three real fucking tough guys and sometimes guests select a musical artist or group that we've never really listened to, and we spend the whole week immersing ourselves in the art and culture and world of that artist, only to return here the following week and tell you all about it. You can listen along uh, with us and uh, join our brand new Discord community at tinyurl.com slash rockofshame. If you've never used Discord before, it's a wonderful central hub for our community where we can discuss great music and more every single day. Kind of a mix between an internet forum and a group chat uh, where uh, we're all there, we're having a party, we're talking about music. Come and join us. And you can get your invite at tinyurl.com slash shame. We look forward to seeing you over there if you're a listener to this show. We uh, have had a ton of great listeners, a ton of great feedback on the show, and I'm uh, really excited to uh, to have you guys be more involved in what exactly goes on here. Um, Music is better when you share it, and so is this podcast. Share us on Facebook, tell your friends, tweet us at Rock of Shame on Twitter, um, and you can watch the show recorded live every Wednesday night over at twitch.tv slash thickboydrewski. Uh, the link is in the description. Spelt the obnoxious way. Correct. <laughs> Most importantly, 
for now, uh, just subscribe on any podcast platform that you like and uh, listen along with us every single week. Um, there's so much new music to talk about this week. There's so much. Uh, let's start with Drew because I think Greg and I will have at least one album that is probably we both listened to. Potentially. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have not really explored much of anything new this week. I've been mm -hmm. sort of, I sort of just started like a new job mm -hmm. and I've been kind of getting into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, Drew, I, here's what I'm saying. I don't want you to apologize for not listening to anything new because there will be many, many weeks on this show where I will not listen to anything new and I will not apologize for that. I will be the constant contributor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to you guys then. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greg, go. All right. Let's see. There are a couple albums that came out this week that I would recommend. One, just because it was better than the last one they released, and the other because it's a really solid metal album. The first one is uh, Dropkick Murphys. Uh, came out with a new one that I liked a fair amount better than the last record, which I thought was more or less forgettable and mm -hmm. disappointing. Uh, this one just had a lot more energy to it, kind of sounded a little bit more like a classic, uh, maybe like 2000s era Dropkick album. I thoroughly enjoyed it that way. Um, and then Gojira came out with a new record, Fortitude, and that is just some really dope fucking thrashy groove metal that I think everyone should check out. They should have called it Versus Kong, just for the tie-in, you know? Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Dropkick Murphys album I thought was pretty good. I'm not really like a Dropkick Murphys guy. They're not really my fucking deal. Um, like if I'm going to listen to a Kelp Punk band, it would probably be Flogging Molly before I would listen to Dropkick Murphys personally. Um, I just, I like their, the, the way that they write songs uh, a little better. It speaks to me a little more. Uh, it's a little more melody driven. Yeah. Um, I think this album was delayed for a long time. I think the first single for this dropped over, well over a year ago. Yeah, um, Smash Shit Up, I think, was the first single. Yeah, that was, Smash Shit Up was the first single, and that came out in, like... That was here, like, oh. summer or, f like, early fall of last year, I think. Yeah, March. March of last year. Oh, they really? They that thing out. Yeah, because when they did the first... Um, what was it? The They did a, a big live stream uh, when COVID kind of first hit, because it hit when they were going to do the St. Patrick's Day shows, and oh, so they did a live right. stream instead. Oh, yeah. And at that point, the, the single was already out. Uh, right. and I think they also played Mick Jones nicked my pudding on that show as well yeah because it was an A side B side release yeah yeah and totally so it was that. it was delayed a long time uh, I think it, I mean I, I listened through it once I think it's pretty good um, and uh, and I liked it I don't I don't I don't think at this point it's anything that's going to make anybody but someone discovering the band for the first time into a Dropkicks fan all of a sudden, but they're also at the point in the career where, where they can't reasonably expect that from uh, doing what they do. You know what I yeah. mean? For uh, me, like the album's a six and a half out of 10. It's, it's a decent Dropkick album. It has its high points. And I thought it was good. Here, like, uh, yeah. I was expecting having listened to a lot of their albums recently, like when they come out, I listened to them. Um, this was one that I liked the most and found them the most sort of easy to get through. I, I find um, 
and and uh, no shame here because as a lyricist i have the same problem um there's a number of songs on the record where uh <laughs> there's an attempt at like humorous lyrics and i don't really think that's in their wheelhouse all that much yeah they, they don't um, really have it that much in there <laughs> and they like they they uh, uh, meatloaf i think is uh his the lyrics in his songs can be genuinely funnier than what ended up <laughs> um, there was a there um, was a boatload of cheese in meatloaf's yeah. lyrics but you can find some decent <laughs> gems in there yeah yeah uh who we're gonna talk about uh but i have a couple other things i want to talk about first rochambeau who is a new uh uk uh, ska outfits um, featuring uh, members of Faintest Idea and a bunch of other UK bands. It's always funny when I when people talk about Sonic Libido's sound, not to make it all about us, uh, they talk about our sound being very hard rock forward, um, which is really weird for America. A lot of American ska bands are very like, we play ska music and it sounds like ska music. Have you heard of the ska music before? Eat some um, mozzarella sticks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very interested in being that sort of pure form of it, which nothing against it. That's their sound. Some of those bands do an excellent job at it and sound fantastic. It's just not us. Yeah. And uh, the place that... It, I reach out to the faintest idea guys fairly regularly when I talk to them and, and the guys uh, from uh, Rochambeau uh, are some people that I know and have met. Um, the UK ska core, what they ska core sound is like the place where our sound like kind of fits in the most. And I've constantly been like, we gotta get, you guys gotta come over and we gotta do some shows together because it's like, uh, you know, it is a two guitar sound. It is a heavy rock sound. It is focused more on hard rock and, uh, and sort of kind of metallic influences here and there. Um, using, uh, the ska music as more of like uh, a lemon juice or something in there that sort of just like brings up the bottom spice uh, or yeah an acidity to it you know like yeah. something to to sort of lift it which is how we do it because of our instrumentation and just because of the kind of stuff that we like to write and so hearing um, anything that comes out of the uk ska scene that's in that sort of vein for me i'm like oh yes there there is a place where this is uh this is uh happening for people and people sort of understand uh what we're doing and it's a wonderful song stand your ground by uh rochambeau um who uh i think uh you know will have uh some really cool stuff to share pretty soon i think they're putting an album out this year which will be cool um I will check it out if so. Uh, the uh, yes, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, they dropped the second track from the In the Heights movie, um, which is coming out in June. Uh, the, the the track entitled Ninety Six Thousand, which is the like the the sort of midpoint big number from the first act of the show. Uh, In the Heights is the first musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who went on to do Hamilton, which became a huge hit. A huge enough hit uh, that 
uh, in the Heights, the show he did first, which won four fucking Tony Awards, is oh that other show he did at this point. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and so it's uh, uh, the director who did Crazy Rich Asians is doing the movie. Um, it's uh, starring a, a bunch of people with uh, Broadway chops, and uh, I'm super excited uh, to see what they end up doing with the movie because it's going to take a little bit of updating. It's been uh, the show's been out since uh, 2006 or whatever, but I saw the show on Broadway when it was on Broadway, uh, and it's spectacular. The songs from it are spectacular. This, uh, if you saw Hamilton, it's all it's that that's his style. That's the yeah. type of show that he writes. So it's very uh, hip hop influenced and uh, R and B influenced sort of uh, musical stuff that I highly recommend. Both the original Broadway soundtrack and these new versions, which are a little, um, <laughs> uh, let's say, uh, uh, heightened in the instrumentation. Um, is a little harder, a little heavier because they're coming. It's coming from a movie and not coming from a stage production where yeah. it needed to be performed by an orchestra <laughs> in the room, right? <laughs> um, and so they've got a little more of a harder edge uh, to the production and some slightly updated lines that maybe fit a little better in our current uh, political climate. So uh, I'm uh, I'm stoked on it, man, and I'm excited to to get to the movie and 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 excited to have both of these songs up, both the title track from the show and 96,000 the bills sound great um and uh it was a pleasure to hear them uh redone for the film but are you guys ready to talk about the uh cover artist yes the loaf of meat <laughs> from our good friend wikipedia michael lee a day Born Marvin Lee a day, September 27th, 1947, better known as Meat Loaf, is an American singer and actor. He is noted for his powerful, wide-ranging voice and theatrical live shows. His Bad Out of Hell trilogy, Bad Out of Hell, Bad Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, and Bad Out of, Bad Out of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose, has sold more than 50 million albums worldwide. More uh, than four decades after its release, the first album still sells an estimated 200,000 copies annually and stayed on the charts for over nine years, making it one of the best-selling albums in history. After the commercial success of Bad Out of Hell and Bad Out of Hell 2 Back Into Hell, and earning a Grammy Award for Best Solo Rock Vocal Performance for the song, quote, I Do Anything for Love, end quote, Meatloaf nevertheless experienced some difficulty establishing a steady career within the United States. This did not stop him from becoming one of the best-selling music artists of all time, with worldwide sales of more than 80 million records. The key to his success was his retention of iconic status and popularity in Europe, especially the United Kingdom, where he received the 1994 Brit Award for Best Selling Album and Single, appeared in the 1997 film Spice World, and ranks 23rd 
for the number of weeks spent on the UK charts as of 2006. He ranks 96th on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock. Sometimes credited as Meatloaf a Day, he has also appeared in over 50 movies and television shows, sometimes as himself or as characters resembling his stage persona. His most notable film roles include Eddie in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, 1975, and Robert Bob Paulson in Fight Club, 1999. <laughs> I, early... Dude, that's my favorite meatloaf is Bob Bitch Tits Paulson. <laughs> For sure. Favorite meatloaf his, of all time. His early stage work included dual roles in the original cast of the Rocky Horror Show, uh, and he was also in the musical Hair, both on and off Broadway. Um, yeah, so much to talk about with uh, with Meatloaf. Yeah, his role in Fight Club is great. Oh, uh, don't forget Pick a Destiny. Yeah, he Scoobity was in boobity. Pick a Destiny. Yes. yes. Uh, I was just reading what... Uh, you what, disobeyed uh, my order, son. Why were you ever born? <laughs> Jesus loves him more. <laughs> I was just reading what Wikipedia said, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of movies. Um, but I that's forget the... how many things he's actually been in. And the fact the dude is 73. Yeah. I forget just how old he actually is. The Pick of Destiny is the movie for me that I'm most familiar with him acting from. It's so funny Same. because that, that movie... Uh, did terrible at the box office. Everyone talks about how much of a flop that was, but I swear to God, you put any song from that soundtrack on in a room full of musicians of our age, everybody fucking knows all every, every word, word to every, every word, song. every fucking word. When I saw Tenacious D, um, in uh, Brooklyn, um, they did their Apocalypto album, and that was yeah. great. You know, like it was fine. Uh, but then they played. All pick a destiny, and <laughs> the entire crowd sang every word rhythmically on time in perfect <laughs> moments and everything. And I was just like, "We don't really need you, Jack or Kyle. Honestly, you guys could go go away." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, nice little side note. <laughs> but I we've been at shows. We were uh, doing a show at a, a two on two when it was still around, and and it came on the radio, and everyone in the room knew all the song. Watching this, uh, uh, watching him, his stuff, getting more familiar with his stuff, it's like, oh yeah, he was the perfect choice to choose as a black uh, Jack Black uh, father character because Jack Black's act is like is so meatloaf. It's so yeah. just Yeah. Like... <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um Good who point. who wants to who wants to start with a general overview of uh of their week with Meatloaf? I would love to. Okay. Um so it started okay so this is how how it went. I went from the beginning of his catalog to the end. Okay. So. <laughs> and you did, did, how much did you, do you listen to all of it? Almost all of it. Yeah. Almost all of it. Uh, I missed a few of the later ones. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I'll, I'll go, I'll go ahead and just, um, let's see. Yeah. The, a I'm couple of the albums I did have to like find on YouTube in which of course the quality was shaky at best with yeah. the playlists. They were all out of order. That's but. unfortunate that some I, so I had to like I had to do with Billie Holiday. I had to collate it with what uh uh Wikipedia has in their official discography yeah. of him, all right. right? 
Um, and yeah. so it is unfortunate that some of that catalog is just not, it's just not on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I listened to Bad Out of Hell, Dead Ringer, Midnight at the Lost and Found, Bad Attitude, uh, Blind Before I Stop, Bad Out of Hell 2, uh, VH, I didn't listen to the VH1 Storytellers thing. Um, I, I don't think I, yeah, I didn't listen to Helen, uh, Handbasket. Or welcome to the neighborhood, or braver than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did listen to Hell in a Bucket. I mean, uh, Bad of Hell three, or at least part of it, before I decided that it, I I have my limits. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna um, have a fucking chat, boy. <laughs> anyways, um, so I yeah, I mean, like, so it started. I was like, this is this is how it. It pretty much every song at the beginning would go. Oh my god, god! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh what? Oh nice! And then okay, oh, okay, okay. And then next song. Oh god! <laughs> oh wait! All right! Oh shit! Okay! Like every single song did that at the beginning of his catalog. It would always start with me going like, oh, brother, like, Jesus fucking Christ, stop. Like, okay, you big fat drama queen, like, you theatrical fucking dickhead. And then it would just be like, oh, shit, I'm kind of feeling this right now. And then I'd be like, driving my car. Or even like the really like emotional ballad ones, it would be like, yeah, like, and then halfway through his discog it just remained with okay all right okay 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 (laughs) like and then i got to the i got to bat out of hell three and was just like you know what we're gonna have the podcast today we'll talk about milof there (laughs) i just like stopped halfway through bat out of hell three because it was just not production wise great in my it just like it was just like too much of something way different than what I've been listening to this whole time through it, through it, through it. And I got to say though, it was still more tolerable than having to push through that shitty fucking eighties album. I can't remember which one (laughs) it was right now, but the production in that shit, what was it? Most of them. Um, Yeah. That's his eighties catalog. Honestly, was not great. Okay. So here's what we have to (laughs) talk about. It was, it was, it was, it was, um, it was either midnight of a lost and found or too blind to stop. Or some whatever that fucking one was. Blind before I stop. Blind before I stop. I think. Yeah, the production yeah. on that one is fucking horrendous. Holy fuck, dude! Okay. I got through it and was like, oh, oh my god, oh fuck! <laughs> like that was so bad. Like there's uh, <laughs> there's two things we have to discuss before we go any further. Uh, the first is that uh, the writer for Bad Out of Hell and Dead Ringer leaves after that album. Uh, after Dead Ringer, Jim Steinman, may he rest in peace. Jim Steinman, who who just died recently, and man, what a, uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to talk about some things and not talk about others until later. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jim uh, Jim Steinman wrote on those records. He immediately leaves. You immediately feel it when you get to Midnight at the Lost and Found. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, uh, Meatloaf really struggles with '80s syndrome, uh, uh, which I've talked about before on the show, and we'll probably no doubt talk about again. Uh, oh yeah. Where. Uh, 
throughout the 70s, synthesizers were available to use, but they fucking, they sounded like garbage. And so nobody used them. And, and many artists like Queen, who would later employ them heavily, uh, would openly make statements on their records about not using them because of how shitty they sounded. Um, and, uh, and then would later roll that back in the eighties, they got kind of usable. And then all of a sudden a new instrument was here that you could program to sound like fucking anything. And everyone was like, Oh my God. Um, and we so use that. we don't have to hire real musicians. <laughs> so, 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 so many seventies rock artists, go fucking crazy with it and it uh and and while they were far more listenable than they were in the 70s listening back now it's really fucking rough um and and part of it is my personal distaste for it uh, 80s synthesizers for me are like fucking bagpipes for drove look Uh, look 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 uh let me get back to my explanation of that too because like i have some stuff that I like from 80s synths and drum machines and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like my boy Pete Gabriel out here with that sledgehammer, that track fucking slaps with that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like, dude, all those synths were fucking fat, son. Like, sure. oh my God. Sure. But yeah, like, the production was just like the bad '80s production for yeah. uh, that album, in particular yeah. with Meatloaf. For, bo- for and, pretty much everything from the '80s, I felt like that was yeah. the case, and 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 yeah. and and not to the point that like these aren't passable or usable or whatever. It's more just like I sit there the whole time being like, if you'd just played that part on a guitar, it would have been better. It would have it would have fucking yeah. sounded better than if you played on synthesizer like the synth. I mean, there's some cool, there's some cool, there's some cool modulation and stuff you can do to like replicate a guitar, but but they like, don't. But they, they don't. don't. Yes, they they don't. don't. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. In this case, they did not. Uh, what's my opinion on Blade Runner? Scooby Booby? Uh, I don't know why that is a question. I like that movie. Anyways, yeah, I like that movie. Fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. Um. I even like the newer one, not obviously as much. Um, right. I'm not sure if he's referring to maybe the soundtrack, maybe. Yeah, maybe oh, the soundtrack. Maybe to be loved, do stuff. I've never listened Runner. to the Blade Runner soundtrack. Oh, the without sense. Oh, the, the sense in the Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, cinematic sense, like, yeah, whatever, can, can really be busting sometimes for sure. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, like Meatloaf, like, okay, so I really, I, I gotta say, like, I. I just meant because it's mostly sense. Yeah, exact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for Blade Runner, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sense in that are really good. I really like how they just really fast a little side note on sense and like cinematic stuff. I really like what they did with Stranger Things too with sense, mm-hmm. like and how they brought that back a bit. Oh, so good. <laughs> like I've I've done some like very personal to me, um, like compositions of like cinematic sense in like years ago that like i never showed to anybody but it was just kind of like a passion thing for just myself to listen back to and like hear stuff that i wanted to hear sound a certain way and it's fun dude it's so fun like i love the movement of like using sense in like kind of like a orchestral sort of way for like movie soundtracks and stuff definitely cool uh however not the case at all for anything that milo did in his entire (laughs) 80s career uh, <laughs> and but, it's so um, funny it's so funny because as as soon as you get to bat out of hell 2 in 1993 
it's like the 80s are over and everyone has come to their senses. Yes, 100%. All of a sudden, all of a sudden people are like, oh, that'd probably be better if we just fucking played on a guitar before. That, co- <laughs> that, that, that cocaine addiction finally wore off. It's like and a weird national nightmare, like a like a like like there was gas going through all of the eighties yeah. that everyone was gassed on. Dude, those, you like, look at like uh, videos and stuff, and there was literally a gas in the air in everything eighties, and like <laughs> it was like getting like crazy blue like eyeliner around the women. Those poor women had that crazy long blue eyeliner, like yeah. just from the gas like emitting onto their face and making that look. And their hair was all frizzy and huge because of how humid the gas was. Like, it had nothing to do with actual fashion choices. They were all just intoxicated by this 1980s gas. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, So I wanted to start with the shit I really didn't like about Meatloaf. And just now I'm going to go into some things I've liked a lot. Um, And Paradise by the Dashboard Light is a fucking jam. And I'd listened to it maybe once in passing when I was really stoned at one point with this, like, 30-something-year-old chick that I was banging when I was, like, 19 at the time. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is cool. And I was more kind of like just really high. Um, right. But when I got back to it and actually like listen, listen to it, and especially the lyrics, dude. Oh, <laughs> my God. Amazing. Like so like it was that level of dr- like dramatic, like writing and acting and like the music and the rock and roll, like that 50s yeah. style doo-wop kind of mixed in with some more 70s rock and like theater and like it was like all all the stuff that i was like man if me love could do this for his entire career like oh my god like wow you know but he didn't (laughs) i think i think i think this is this is the place to mention this i think bad out of hell from 1977 stem to stern is a fucking incredible record. Banging album. I think. I yeah, think. Scooby Boobity says I, pretty much the entirety of Bad Out of Hell is a slap city. And yep. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Confirmed. It's, li- it's literally. It's like seven songs, but every song on that record is fucking great. Even even like. I got to the end. I was like, "That's it. That's the whole album." Oh, like I was, but I was like, "Ah, oh, kind of makes sense though." Like this was like tastefully lanked out. Almost too right. Like, I was like, well, that sure. was great. Like it's se- it's seven songs, but it's like forty five minutes. Yeah, and it, uh, which is about what you want a record to be. Yeah, and and that whole I think on this, <laughs> if he had done that record and then like died, uh, it would be like the or 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 stop making music or whatever. It would be like this, like oh my god, think of what could it'd be happen like. With- it'd be like the Lauren Hill effect, like a hundred percent. Yes, actually, that'd be excellent comparison. It would have been the Lauren Hill effect if he had just stopped after Bad Out of Hell. That that record I, is is incredible. Even the songs that like that aren't like in that heavy style or whatever, where Heaven Can Wait or something like that, is like, oh my god, this song is gorgeous and so so smartly written and so beautifully written. Bad, Bad Out of Hell on its own, I, and the fucking the cover art is awesome, and like yeah. everything about it is like this is fucking great. Yeah. This whole thing is fucking great. Um, oh, yeah. And I hadn't heard it. Uh, uh, since I was a kid, um, I had heard it before. My my mother was a person in the '80s and stuff like that, you know. Um, and so uh, she had this uh, record and would play this record fairly regularly on car rides and stuff like that. But I hadn't revisited it uh, since uh, I was young. And listening to that record, I was like, Jesus! Every single song on this record yeah. is 
amazing. Oh, yeah. And so, and Greg had posed the question last week. He's like, why does this guy named Meatloaf have this one record that is on the fucking top 25 sales of all time? I think maybe the bigger question is, how come this one record from Meatloaf is on top 25 sales of all time and you never hear fucking anything else from him? Uh, and Even I, though he's still active. I think after listening to it, uh, it's incredibly obvious. Yeah. It's for two reasons. One, Bad Out of Hell is a fucking unbelievable record. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, and the rest of the material is like a gradient of like, this is pretty good to this is not good at all. Um, and it's kind of random, too. Like, I, I could take everything that he wrote in the 80s and throw it out. Uh, but uh, for the most part. Uh, but I there's some kind of later career stuff that I was kind of into. So. Yeah, and we will get into that. <laughs> we will. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, like, yeah. And so, Bad Out of the Hell. Like, I think mm-hmm. we can all... I'm glad that we all agree that that was a really good album. Um, yeah. I went right into Dead Ringer after Bad Out of the Hell. Like, mm-hmm. this week. I just was like, next, let's go. And yeah. it kind of flowed pretty well. Like, I think. Yeah. It wasn't... It wasn't the same level of, like, slap as bad of hell was but it was a sec it was a really good follow-up album mm-hmm. like i was like if i had just heard it like which i did technically la- this last week like eight out of ten probably like bad out of hell like 9.5 out of 10 like it the only reason it's not a 10 out of 10 is be- just because like there i don't know like 10 out of 10 is reserved for like my all-time favorites like and this was mm-hmm. just up there with like some amazing shit i've heard and like it was definitely like really cool and i think the most the reason why bad of hell is my favorite is just because like dashboard uh paradise by the dashboard light i literally will go back and listen to it now like and especially watch the youtube video like kind of music video (laughs) performance too like because god damn he is a fucking savage in that shit. Like, <laughs> like, and like the editing and like, it goes like that old timey baseball video and shit. And like that funky part, like, I was like, Oh shit. Like, what? <laughs> like, I remember like, dude, that song is seriously like amazing. Um, fa- all time favorite song on the album. Um, and I just love that. It just starts like, I just like honestly, I would just want to like dissect just that one song because it's like, it's just so fucking good. Like compared to everything what's else, re- like it, this it's episode's just, gonna uh, be four hours, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's gonna <laughs> no, be no, like. No, no, no. What's really interesting but, about that song and that album is that it, they had so much trouble getting that album fucking made and shit. That album, they made that album and it sat. Uh, undistributed for like a year yeah uh, because nobody wanted to distribute it which is kind of funny because like you can hear the things that it's influenced by and the things that kind of justified its existence at that point um you know jesus christ superstar had burst onto the scene like three years prior um uh queen had already put out bohemian rhapsody and somebody to love and they had been big hits and so the idea that they had this album that was very much in that vein and so many record label people were like it'll never work when (laughs) they could point to the radio and be like it's already worked like a bunch of times (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's wild to me but it was apparently the case yeah uh, no i mean yeah it's just like uh for for like that whole song though in particular like the way it just goes like old old high school sweethearts like getting all revved up you know mm-hmm. hanging out in their like old fucking car right. like overlooking some like city probably on a hilltop or some shit 
and like mm-hmm. it's just dark and like you know that like angsty teen like i'm about to get laid for the first time exciting right. like everyone's kind of been there like at that time period like you know like you're you're gonna fucking finally get laid and he's all revved up and then it's just like you know he's reaching in and like they're making out and like it's kind of just like exciting thing and then out of nowhere the lady's like stop right there and you're like what and then she's just Her like performance is so good yeah though, too and yeah. she's just like basically goes straight up psycho girl mode on him <laughs> And it's like, I want to make sure that you're going to love me forever. We're going to get married. Yeah. Like, like you'll be my love forever. All this stuff. And then it's like, can you promise me that? After going on this long stint. And Milo's like, let me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it. Hey, let me sleep on it. And it's like some gi- like Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville kind of vibes. It's like, hey, I'm, a, I'm not really going to answer that like right now. <laughs> Cause I kind of want to still get laid. And then she's like, I really want you to promise me this. Okay. Like it means a lot to me, blah, blah, blah. Come on. What do you say? Like, please just give me a straight answer. Put it right now. Uh, 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 let me sleep on it. <laughs> He's just like, Hey, like, Oh my God. Like I was crying, dude. And like, especially from the video because he's just like, Oh, oh let me sleep on it. <laughs> it's just like, yo, just like, absolute player like just trying to get it in but not trying to fuck it up playing it smart playing it reserved he's like he's really strategical you know what i mean like as this character that he's playing in the song and then it just gets to this point where it's just like like they both hate each other they're like you know what i just want to fucking die like i wish the end of times would come right now because i get another fucking minute with you and it's just like yeah. I'm praying for the end of time. It's so it's like chaotic. Like the energy, like it's not a heavy song. You know what I no. mean? It's not it's so fun though. It's not it's a bear, so... but it's so like it goes fucking hard and it's so energized. Like the energy yeah. in that song is like electric, dude. Like yeah. it's like talk about like not using like speed or 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 aggressive chords or distortion. And you're able to still emit like a tremendous amount of energy in a song, like yeah. And that that turn that turn where he says, "And I swore I'd love you till the end of time," and then he turns it around with, "And now I'm praying for the end of time," right? Is such a, such a fucking amazing <laughs> lyrical turn too. There, that yeah, it's, it's really really cool. it's it's unheard of. Like it feels so <laughs> like dramatic. It's like everyone is like in a cocaine psychosis in that song it's literally like maybe maybe but like it's just so it feels so like um impulsive and just like i don't know the like it's just the energy of it it's just so high energy and like and and steinman's comment on the song when they were like why did you write the song he's like yeah you know uh he was like at the time i was trying to write like the most intense version of all these things i loved he's like the first song bad at hell is like the most intense version of uh, a car crash song. I want to write a car crash song, like leader of the pack. Right. Um, and he's like, and he's like, and so with, with, uh, with that song, with the but paradise by the dashboard lights, he's like, I wanted to write like the most intense version of like a car sex song. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, and and he, he's, he, he did. fucking did it. <laughs> and like, and not only did he do it, but like the performance of it then afterwards was executed yeah perfectly like there's so much to talk about but we have to get the greg no i know i know i know i just i wanted to get my rundown 
And like, obviously, I think that's my favorite. Like, it's weird. Like every like the last you know, Chemical Brothers and now, and right. probably Run DMC. Like a lot of those artists, like I like their earlier work and like that mm-hmm. and that excitement of like their their breakout like albums. Right. Like it seems like that's what's been locking in with me lately. So, anyways, Greg, off to you, buddy. Passing the mic. Yeah, I listen to everything. I listen to the. Like I said, the 2000s records, Bad Out Hell 3, I already had on my laptop. But the other two records, uh, Hang Cool, Teddy Bear, I literally listened to on the drive over um, <laughs> from work. And uh, what was it? Uh, couldn't have said it better. I listened to once through various YouTube videos in which I don't even know if they were in the, the playlist was in the proper track listing or not. But right. But summary, uh, Bad Out of Hell, obviously fucking classic amazing for me 10 out of 10 one of my favorite records um top 100 probably um dead ringer definitely a solid follow-up i think basically any record that steinman was involved with in some capacity i think definitely had the better stuff even though the later career meatloaf albums i think you could argue a little bit um had some merits of their own Mm -hmm. um he definitely had the 80s syndrome which uh hurt a lot when steinman left yeah. uh then bat out of two came bat out of hell two came and was a very over bloated sequel but a very solid one uh then unfortunately did dip back again with the follow-up uh mm-hmm. then i think honestly the 2000s records onward i think were pretty solid even if there were still a little bit uh of flaws here and there for each record um and uh, Drew, you said you didn't listen to Hell in a Handbasket, right? Uh, no. Wait. Um, uh, nah, no, I didn't. No. Bryce, did you? I listened to all of the records. Okay, so which means you and I can talk about the fucking Little John feature then. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, so we will. Fuck! I missed that? <laughs> oh my god. That's why I was hoping you listened to that one. Oh, um, I'm going to go put my AirPods in and listen to specifically that one song. I'll be okay. right back. Keep talking. Okay. Okay. Drew has uh, left the chat temporarily. He's but, left the um, Yes. Um, that record was pretty good. Uh, overall, yeah. my, my overall experience was very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely a fuck ton of cheese. Um, <laughs> yeah. If I was lactose intolerant, this would have killed me. But it's um, there. It's intentionally there. Oh yeah, it's very much so. It's just Meatloaf's style. He's very, yeah. very theatrical with how he and Steinman's style too. Like the lyrics oh, yeah. are, the lyrics are fun. The lyrics are oh, funny. Yeah. The the oh, albums, yeah. even Bad Out of Hell, like Bad Out of Hell has poignant moments, but it's it's funny. Oh yeah. Oh no, you have that. Uh, the only thing I didn't like out of Bad Out of Hell, kind of, even though I understand the reason why it was there, was that spoken word part right before the second song. That, uh, would you give your love to the one with the red roses? Yeah, yeah. It's a little too on the nose with the theatrical influence. Yeah, and then as soon as the song kicks in, I fucking love it. The one that appears on Bad Out of Hell 2, I think, is also a little bit just like, what? Oh, yeah. Um, Like I said, Bad Out of Hell 2, in which we'll we'll talk more about that later, but kind of like in the sense of a trilogy, it was like the, it was a good follow-up sequel, but it was very much bloated. And then the third one, uh, change change directors. (laughs) I actually liked three a lot better than two. I'm kind of on the fence of which one I like more, but basically the Bad Out of Hell trilogy are my top three meatloafs. 
Obviously, sure, the first sure. one is definitely the top one. Uh, and I guess it depends on my mood for the other two. I feel like in both cases, I liked three a lot better than two, but both of them uh, really needed someone to be like, okay, half of the you should do half of these songs. Uh, yeah. Because Bad Out of Hell 3 is 14 songs long. It's 14 yeah. songs long, and Bad Out of Hell 1 is seven. It's literally twice as long, and it's not better for it. Um, yeah. And also, half the songs on Bad of Hell 3 are actually Steinman compositions, but they were sure. just re- they were reimagined by uh, Desmond Child, who I think mm-hmm. doesn't get enough credit, I think, with his work with Meatloaf. I think, honestly, he did quite a bit of great work with Meatloaf. And that kind of that kind of happens throughout his career, too. Uh, De- Dead Ringer is from a show that Steinman had written yeah. previously, and there's a bunch of other songs on the other albums where you look it up. Uh, uh i'm just seeing drew in the background um uh, of course people watching the po- listening to the <laughs> podcast will not see this i'm just seeing drew on the screen i'm seeing if he'll get to that part and just like lose his shit <laughs> <laughs> because um, when he does he's he's gonna be like the fuck did i just listen to <laughs> but there's an album like uh or a song like good to be bad or whatever bad i think for it's good. called oh bad for good yeah. that's a steinman thing from a different project and stuff like yeah, that like it was actually from like up. the original what was supposed to be the follow-up to bad out of hell but due to yeah. meatloaf's uh drug addiction and losing his voice temporarily steinman's like all right fuck it i already got pretty much an album done i guess i'll yeah. sing and get like another guy to sing too he went Anyways, and did it it's it's really and and we should talk about that when Drew comes back. There, there. I'll admit of I didn't listen to the whole happens. thing. What I did sure. listen to is like, like I could definitely hear Meatloaf being over this, mm-hmm. and I kind of want him to because Steinman's voice is just not fucking there. Right. <laughs> He's not a bad right. singer. Just does not fit the th- super theatrical writing that he has. Yeah. He needs the vocalist to match that, and yeah. he is not in that category. Or he. So, anything else to share? Um. Before we get into the deeper discussion. Yeah. um, Basically, uh, all the Steinman work, I think, was really solid. Uh, And Meatloaf, I think his later career doesn't get enough credit. Mm -hmm. I think there are some gems in there, which we'll get into. Overall, I really enjoyed Meatloaf, and Mm -hmm. I hope others do as well. I listened to Bad Outta Hell, 1977, Dead Ringer, 1981, Midnight at the Lost and Found, 1983. Bad Attitude, 1984. Blind Before I Stop, 1986. Bad Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, 1993. Uh, Welcome to the Neighborhood, 1995. Couldn't Have Said It Better, 2003. Bad Out of Hell 3, The Monster Is Loose, 2006. Hang Cool Teddy Bear, 2010. Hell in a Handbasket, 2011. And uh, Braver Than We Are, 2016. Uh, I also watched half of his 2007 documentary, Looking for Paradise. I watched uh, most of his set from Rock Palast. And uh, I watched the uh, Classic Albums episode regarding Bad Out of Hell. Um I, uh, a lot to say that hasn't already been said for my sort of quick rundown. Uh, I agree with the general sentiment that Bad Out of Hell, Bad Out of Hell is incredible, uh, and that nothing else in his catalog comes close. Uh, that being said, I don't want that to sound like too much of a dig because, uh, as musicians, we should all be so fucking lucky to write an album as good as that album uh to just have one 
is incredible. Um, but it really does feel like like everyone involved is at their most inspired there. Uh, it's worth noting for me personally, uh, <laughs> as much as we talked about Billie Holiday being my shit last week, uh, this album is directly up my fucking alley. I got into music after watching Queen live at Wembley and being like, that is incredible. And how can I do that? Um, and I, uh, I studied musical theater for years and years and years because where I lived, it was the easiest way to get on a stage singing. Um, and and which so album? All, Bryce, I'm sorry, I was gone. We're talking. We're just talking about the sound in general right now. Okay. Um, and so for me, uh, it uh, it's a sound that uh, I was kind of set up to really dig in a big way, and I did for the most part. I think Steinman leaving the uh, it the the sort of illusion kind of falls apart. Uh, and un- because unfortunately the writers that he works with are fine, but like there's a couple albums in the eighties that are like, you could have told me this was fucking anybody, but meatloaf. And I would have like some fucking guy I've never heard of. And I would have believed you, even though the performance is still kind of for the most part there. Simon's you, you can are... tell meatloaf's meatloaf's vocals a mile a fucking way. The problem is the compositions there don't really. Yeah. And arrangement too. Arrangement is essential. And they yeah. don't really do, you know, you get a song like bad out of hell and every track on bad out of hell does really interesting things musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and has really, really smart turns and writing and melody work and and everything like that. By the time you get to Midnight at the Lost and Found, you're like, this just sounds like a like a '80s rock song. I didn't like Midnight and Lost and Found either. It's yeah. it's, there, it's there's a couple interesting things about that record, or at least like the back history of it. Sure, um, Blind Before I Stop, Bad Attitude, like all of those things. Like there are there are a couple of songs on all those albums that are like, yeah, this is all right. Yeah. It's not fucking bad. It's not, it's not bad yeah. at a hell level. Yeah, it's exactly. not even dead ringer. It's just like I just returned from listening to "Stand in the Storm" off the Hell in a Handbasket. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> little John showed up. It's really weird. No, it's not even that, dude. It's like it's Meatloaf. It's that guy from Sugar Ray. It's a country singer, and then fucking out of nowhere, you just like the music kind of starts to like build, and you're like, "What's happening?" And then so, you're like, "What? Why? Where's this song going?" And then what? And you're like, "Wait, what?" And then okay, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And then you just keep hearing that, and you're like, "No way, dude!" Little John, like, because he was so masked earlier on that when he does finally come in, and you just hear hearing. What? And you're like, no, dude, no way. Like, no fucking way <laughs> Lil John is about to jump on after a country singer on this weird fucking song. Weird old meatloaf the, pro- the weird thing about that song, because I saw that track list, and, and I know why it exists. Celebrity Apprentice. All four of them were on the same season. Oh, uh, That's the only reason that song my exists. my God. That makes so but, much sense, actually. But, um... I was expecting it to be really bad. I actually wound <laughs> it, up liking it. Is, it. it is kind of bad, actually, Greg. Um, yeah, it's, it's, bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad, but like in a slightly enjoyable no, way. No, it's not enjoyable. Because... It's really just bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm taking the hard no on this one. That shit was cringy as fuck, dude. 
strap in. in. It's going to be a long night, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, sir. No, sir, to that one. Like, I can't believe, like, I literally, like, okay. I think I just enjoy how absurd it is. It was funny. 100% it was funny. But it was really, really bad funny. Like, it was like, I don't want to listen. That's why I enjoy it. I don't want to voluntarily listen to this again if I have to. If it does come on, I'll at least know how bad it is before other people hear it. And that will be funny (laughs) on a re-listen. If I had to re-listen to it again, I would hit skip. (laughs) Like Steinman and and Meatloaf is a really interesting thing to talk about because it's one of those situations like uh uh queen after freddie died right they they go out and they they uh do these songs with paul rogers now they're with adam lambert nobody gives a shit because like they like you can take two of those guys out of the bin and try to make queen songs and it doesn't work steinman and meatloaf has this this beautiful creative energy together uh when they work together that is unbelievable and you take either of those marks out of the equation and it kind of doesn't work anymore yeah. it didn't work when Steinman left and then when Steinman went and made an own his own album without meatloaf he he got some other songs with other people uh total eclipse of the heart he wrote with mm-hmm. somebody else and was able to do it but without a monster performer on his songs like nobody cares like uh, just nobody gives a shit that song uh, was supposed to be on midnight uh, midnight it sounds like a meatloaf song when you hear yeah. it you're like that's, that's it, it was supposed to be meatloaf. on that record but because of the lawsuits and stuff going on between meatloaf and steinman the label basically said fuck off so that <laughs> so that song was off the late off that album completely and now i look at that fact and go you dumb motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but and and it's unfortunate that not only because of the drug thing and 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 uh meatloaf losing his voice and having a nervous breakdown and and the two of them not getting along creatively you know a little push and pull creatively is good it helps you to make stuff that you kind of both agree on and you can kind of get uh something that that kind of plays to everybody's perspectives right but uh but there are when they when I watched the documentaries and stuff where they talked about like his life, he does have an autobiography. I didn't read it. All right. I was a good boy this week. Uh, uh, and also because everything I saw from him in interviews and stuff like this, I was like, I'm not entirely sure I like Meatloaf as a person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, when they, uh, you know, they talk about them having having fights all the time and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, you guys really. You, you'll only look back, and I feel they eventually did. They eventually reconciled, but you'll only look back and realize how special you had it as as a, a unit uh, creatively, and how any argument that you're having is not fucking worth it, uh, because you're making this amazing thing together. And if you could have, if you could have figured it out, if you could have kept it together, uh, but it's hard, you know, and and um. Yeah. I think Me- Meatloaf and Steinman, they did four records completely together, yeah. which for those who aren't aware, that's Bad Out of Hell 1, Dead Ringer, Bad Out of Hell 2, and then Braver Than We Were, or Braver mm-hmm. Than We Are. Is that the, yeah, the final? Braver, yeah, Braver Than We Are, 2016. Yeah, Braver Than We Are. That was the, basically you could call that like the true Bad Out of Hell 3 or uh, that record's Bad Out weird. of Hell 4. That record's yeah. weird. <laughs> It is very much weird, but in a way, I kind of appreciate that one. We'll get into it later, but yeah, 
I'll say the intro was fucking ass, but again, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but <laughs> I um. It's really interesting, him and Steinman, because every other version of this that we've heard, for the most part, Queen's stuff, Tommy uh, from The Who and stuff like that, this sort of rock theater kind of mix up is rock people trying to enter into the theater world. Mm -hmm. With Steinman and Meatloaf, it's the other way around, which is why I think that maybe the closest thing to pull to it is Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Um, having been a big hit just a few years earlier but like these are legitimately in this case it's legitimately two fucking broadway guys writing a rock album together and going out and making a rock album that has that sort of broadway aspect yeah. to it legitimate broadway actors and and writers um so that was really cool to hear and you can hear it all over the music um i do think the 80s is the stuff that I could lose, like I said. Uh, the late career stuff has some really interesting shit. Hang Cool, Teddy Bear, I think, is like has actually has a bunch of songs on it that I'm like, these are pretty good. Uh, I didn't mind that record. And granted, I only did listen to it once, and that was literally today on the car ride from work. So maybe if yeah. I listen to it in a full like context, like just sit down and dissect it, maybe I'd like it a little bit more. And welcome, uh, welcome, welcome to the neighborhoods. Another sort of late career one that I'm like, this, this is, I, I don't mind this. Um, I didn't and, care for that one as much. It, it's better than any of the '80s stuff, but it's just like incom, like the following that, following Bad Out of Hell two with that one. I, I just kind of blanked for most of it. I'm just like, sure, this is all right. This is sure. cool. Oh, that was a good yeah. song. Then eh, now it's all right again. Uh. <laughs> Bra uh, Braver Than We Are is a really interesting record because, it, I mean, it's a Billie Holiday 1950s record. Like, his voice has really fallen off by the time he gets to that thing, man. Like, mm. super hard. Uh, but at the same time, the record lyrically and uh, uh, musically and in tone is like, hey, like... We know it's not there anymore, but we're making this last thing together. The just, opening song just... is literally about, hey... We're old. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. But, and beyond that, like, it was the worst fucking opener I've ever heard on an yeah, album. But. It's an awful opener. Uh, but beyond that, like, uh, the, there's a bunch of references in the songs to previous songs that they'd done together. Yeah. I caught on that too. And so the whole thing is basically like, hey, we're old and like, uh, you know, whatever. But like, we're just we're having this fun time together making this sort of last thing together and if you don't want to indulge us then you can just turn it off or whatever but if, if you're in for that sort of thing like this is what we're doing it's gonna be we're gonna have fun you know we got this female vocalist here who's gonna sing half the fucking record uh because yeah, there were a bunch of guest features on here and i think it's just because no offense to me love honestly i didn't mind his God, voice on old. There, but... when you get old like yeah. You know, we talk about, um, like, there are artists who legiti legitimately made a calculated move to just not do that. Billy Joel kind of yeah. stopped making records in the early 90s. And when people ask him why he stopped making records, he's like, look, I'll do the shows because people want to see me, you know. But, like, my voice isn't where it was. And then he's like, and also, like, I feel like 
uh, uh, rock and roll is about young people, and you get to a point where it's like, who the fuck cares what seventy-eight-year-old fucking Billy Joel thinks about fucking anything? Like, and uh, and so uh, you know, him making this Meatloaf making this record, and uh, Simon put out a musical finally using a bunch of his songs. Mm-hmm. Um, at that around that time and so um, that happening for them is like you know the record's not good I don't I don't think the record's very good but I also like I understand that the record being good is not really the point on that record as much as it is like like hey if you have a relationship with these people like here's us getting to sort of say goodbye in this record Um, it was definitely one of the more experimental releases out of like all the meatloaf records it 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 had the obvious like hey it's meatloaf and jim steinman again so here's Mm -hmm. some kind of bat out of hell-esque theatrics but then it also had some like more electronic and even industrial flourishes at some points and even a little bit of like western-esque country moments at times and i'm like this kind of works not always but kind of does drew did you get to the one song on that one album that has the bagpipes (laughs) thank god i did not <laughs> well, that's. I'm, a I'm shame. assuming that's not a. Rec- this isn't a record that you listened to, was it? No. <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I can't. I, I can't course, remember which I, record. If I had known to. getting going into this, how bad the '80s were, and I could have just skipped them, <laughs> that would have been great, to be honest. Because it just that probably added out. a shit ton of fatigue. It yeah. wore me out, man. Like when I had time to listen, like it was just like it felt like a task after a while. Sure. Um, I think the general consensus for us, so we don't really have to go over it that much. The '80s albums kind of fucking sucked. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like they're just chasing "Bad Out of Hell" with his '80s catalog. It's like, yeah. Ugh, At what least happened? Dead Ringer. I mean, Dead Ringer is no "Bad Out of Hell," but it was a solid follow-up. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's not, it feels like a collection of songs and not like Bad Out of Hell feels like a fucking, like a musical. It feels like a musical that you're listening to the soundtrack of. Uh, And, and that's kind of what's amazing. One of the, one of the many amazing things about it, along with the writing and the fucking performance is incredible. And the fucking uh, instrumentation is wild. And like the the vocal harmonies are fucking unreal. The title track to Bad Out of Hell is easily one of my favorite tracks of all time period just yeah that, that opening just the fucking piano riff there and just the build-up it just mm-hmm. the meatloaf doesn't start singing i think until about maybe two minutes in but the <laughs> instrumental is just so captivating i'm just like yes give me more yeah give me more, give yeah, me more. And, uh, you Keep know dead ringer has it has good songs on it but it doesn't it doesn't feel like this like this complete fucking thing, like this yeah. monster, you know, the way that Bat Out of Hell does. Yeah. Dead Ringer, um, I'd probably give like a maybe seven, seven and a half out of ten, because it's still very yeah. solid for what it is. It's just like, yeah. eh, it's not Bat Out of Hell. Nowhere it's near the good. 80s stu- the eighties stuff where I'm like, this is like a, maybe like a four. This is where it's like, like going to fours and threes for me. I'm just like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck. Right. Progressively, just it just drops more F-bombs. I'm like, nope. Nope. But nope. It, yeah, and I like uh, Bad Out of Hell two, Back in Hell, and Bad Out of Hell three. Although I, I do think if I owned those records as MP threes, I would probably go through them and cut seven song versions of them. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Bad Out of Hell two, going kind of in that uh, sequel and trilogy sort of analogy, mm-hmm. it 
It definitely has that bat out of hell feel, but the problem is it has that bloat. Yeah. That it just, some songs really did go on for just a little too long. And the mm-hmm. fact that the track listing is also longer than the original, it's, right. I think it's almost like double the length of the other one. And really. and it's a, it's a wonderful lesson that I much prefer Bad Out of Hell, which has, it doesn't have enough songs to be a fucking album, like quite There's, frankly. It's, it's, it's only seven songs. It's basically an EP. Yeah. Uh, it's but, a no killer, no filler type of record. Right, but everything on there is awesome. Mm-hmm. All, yeah. all the songs are fucking great. So the fat's trimmed. Uh, and then ba- it is a yeah. lean yeah. chunk of meat loaf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, Bad of Hell Two was is still very solid, but mm-hmm. it definitely could have like trimmed it. It definitely 100%. trimmed its glitzy. It, it, the thing is, it like took the best moments of the 80s catalog, which wasn't much, but, like, enough of it to, like, kind of come through in a Bat Out of Hell style. And the fact it was released in 1993. I'm just glad mm-hmm. Meatloaf did not attempt to go grunge. Right. <laughs> that would have been fucking awful. <laughs> or would it? Although he does, no, go, it he does go alternative metal in uh, Bat Out of Hell 3. We'll get into that. Oh, he God. does a bunch of stuff. Well, get into it, man. Yeah, yeah. like, let's get into it now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bad Out of Hell 3. Here we go. This record is a doozy, and I love it, and there are moments that I don't. And let's start with that intro, because that was just not good. <laughs> no, no. The, but the, I, my general thoughts on these album, on this album, without going, because I don't know if I could do a track by track on this thing, I think the high moments in 3 are better than any of the high moments in 2. Def- uh, I would definitely have more, I think, highlights in bad out of hell three as in like a top 10 or top 20 meatloaf songs Mm -hmm. compared to number two Mm -hmm. um blind as a bat is one of my favorite fucking tracks off that record um honestly the only time where the metal more metal-esque sound on bad out of hell three doesn't work for me is the intro because Mm -hmm. it kind of is more like a straightforward alternative metal song that get, just goes on for seven minutes there's no solo and the meatloaf's vocals i don't know what the fuck was with that mixing in the verses but it just sounds like it was just pasted on there the guitar is fucking flat as hell yeah and it's like this should be good the hook itself is okay but that's the only decent part of the song and it's seven fucking minutes right. Right. <laughs> blind as a bat was excellent bad for uh, bad for good which was recreated um it's a steinman cut but it was recreated yeah. under desmond uh desmond's uh guidance i think that actually sounds like this is what i wanted to hear from the original mm-hmm. um the other song like in the land of the pigs the butcher is king alive. that sounds great if it ain't broke break it i'm like oh my yeah. god he is killing this shit it's awesome it's awesome like that's where like the age in his voice is obvious but right. it kind of works. Yeah. Like, the grit is still there for those, like, harder songs, and they're bonkers as shit, but <laughs> I love it. And then, toward the end, it does get a little bit ballad-heavy, which I, I wish it kind of maybe had, like, one more nice rocker toward the end to really spice it up just a little, but yeah. uh, that's just me. I, I think because, at that point, the songs were in the seven- and nine-minute mark, and it was all orchestration, and which... 
I didn't realize this until I looked at the track listing. Jennifer Hudson was on the second to last track. <laughs> I had no fucking idea. <laughs> Celebrity Apprentice uh, connections just uh, really. This was 2006. It. This was just like, hey, she's like right off American. I-, I think this was right when she was off American Idol or something, and it was just like, let's get her. And which marketing wise, they didn't use it as a single. So what was the fucking point? But <laughs> probably some really killer managers that you get after uh, winning American Idol. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, you want to do a meatloaf album? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that guy who was super famous in the 70s? And then he had that one comeback in 1993 for an album that sounds like it would be really good in the 80s. Like what he should have fucking done in the 80s. <laughs> well, how about you join him on the trilogy? <laughs> it's uh, He's a, a fascinating uh, performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, he's uh, there needs to be more people like him. Talking about the Jack, Black, the Jack Black thing, you watch that fucking Paradise by the Dashboard Lights oh. uh, video, and you're like, oh, man, Jack Black just, just fucking watched a bunch of Meatloaf videos yeah. and then did that uh, yeah. <laughs> for a whole career. And I love Jack. It's got to be early but... Tenacious D for sure because that's how they – you know, that's how they started. You know, they were like yeah. a part of that alt comedy scene in California with like, you know, David Cross and uh, right. Maria Bamford and all of them, right? So yeah. Yeah. It, he, it, he must have been like super artsy fartsy and was just watching like tons of Meatloaf videos. It was like, I'm just going to parody Meatloaf but, for yeah, my character it's just, that I do yeah. as Tenacious it's D. It's just, it's I mean, for just God's a... sake, Wonder Boy sounds like it could have been. A loaf yeah. ballad. Sounds like it could have been a meatloaf track. Yeah, it could have been a loaf ballad. He just went more bombastic with it. You know, but it's this, it's this like, you know, kind of overweight dude up there on the stage just like killing himself with uh, the reaction, the, the, the acting in the songs and stuff like that. It's yeah. really kind of, kind of magical, you know, people, people kind of relate best with a mirror. And so it's uh, uh, really uh, wonderful to see unfortunate that it's a it, it kind of became a novelty in the video age that somebody could be kind of like a like he, he's like he's ugly and he's like a fucking huge and shit and uh and yeah but it, right but but performance performance wise he's crazy and i think it works to his credit that he doesn't fucking look like anybody yeah else. but no it's not like even it's not even that he like doesn't look like anyone else it's like the fact that he looks like he does with like an insane amount of sex appeal, like in that video, like he literally is just lady killer, dude. Like, like big gappy teeth and just like looks like he just like ah, he's like singing like with all his teeth out, just like aggressive and ugly, and you're just like, yo, this guy fucks. <laughs> it's am- it's amazing that he's in this. He's in this video with this beautiful woman is there who uh, did the song on stage with her with him for uh, that tour and and whatever yeah. and um uh, isn't the lady who sings on the track but it, she like did it on the tour and so she's in the video uh and so and and yeah you look at the guy and you're like this is not the guy but like he's singing this song about getting with this girl and you're like yeah I, I fucking believe it like he's there's this energy to mm-hmm. him that is. That needs to be there to sell this song, and he does. There was a video I watched um, that was like uh, the tragic story of Meatloaf or something. It's like it's one of those YouTube videos that has. I watched his VH1 behind the music too. Yeah, it's worth noting. And um, I guess he 
according to the video, it sounded like Meatloaf, and Meatloaf is notorious for, like, lying on interviews, on interviews and interviews, just to fucking spice shit up. But, um, I guess this one snippet that came from it was that he does a lot of this method singing. So yeah. he will literally portray himself in a character before he sings, and then does it like that, which makes sense, as your comparison earlier, of, like, theater people trying to do rock. He is right. literally portraying a rock person in the eyes of a theater pr presentation and just goes fucking nuts with it. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is a, this is a thing that I have always felt about music. There are people I know, even musicians, who are like, yeah, a concert is just some people playing some songs on stage. But I came into this thing, came into playing music, b truly believing, as I still do now, that it's so much more than that. And specifically as a vocalist, half the fucking job is like acting. You are you're deliver you are delivering the lines in a way that is convincing with as much conviction as you can while you are hitting these notes. Yeah. Um, and he uh, watching him do it uh, live was like there were parts that get a little bit too much where it's like now you're like like legitimate storytelling on stage and stuff like stuff like that where I'm like I I don't know I think it's probably supposed to be a little more abstract than that but like you watch like a like a, a Queen live set or something like that and you're like this is like this is a theater show yeah. uh it's just a little less sort of explicit about its storytelling but yeah. it's all there it's not a bunch of people playing songs on stage you're acting these songs out and uh and his performances um when he was on and when it was really working uh he's like a master of that part of it of where like the act it, it needs to be acting as well um to really uh to really sell it you know yeah so uh drew did you have anything on uh any pre any meatloaf albums that you really wanted to cite that we didn't already or because i know the later ones you didn't really listen no, to not yet um the early stuff's great really wish the 80s didn't exist um <laughs> and uh, in general yeah uh, well no there's some good stuff in the 80s 100 percent good stuff in the 80s um I, I, and what i heard some of the stuff in the 90s like you know bad Hell three um I probably would have been able to listen to it a little more attentively if I hadn't have just mustered through everything that was the eighties. Like I would have had a little more patience for it, but I was just like, man, yeah, I really was hoping it would. Yeah. Meatloaf. I had to just... do in doses. I, I listened to like maybe three or four albums one day and then I did another chunk the next and then a chunk the next. Yeah. The next. It's just, he's so, it's a lot to digest. It's just, you know, Bryce said it before. Sometimes he gets too serious. Like, and too yeah. dramatized yeah. and like that was my biggest problem with meatloaf is that he's going to do everything really dramatically and really intensely <laughs> and really heavily there's no lightness to it like even the stuff that's supposed right. to be light and funny he he's straight man you know what i mean like he's just doing every single yeah. thing like so, even if you can laugh and be on, on like the, this is humorous. on that early stuff, especially there's dude, there's some shit on the late records that is like there. He's just he's literally fucking around. There's a part where he does like a Run DMC style fucking old school rap song on one of the records and shit. Uh, there's I don't remember which one this is. 
and I'm a little terrified to find out. <laughs> I don't remember which song it was. The the last part of his career I did is like a block today of like four or five albums. So yeah, um, but somewhere in there I was like, what the fuck? And then the next song is like a country song. Like he gets to a point where he's just like, oh, it was probably all oh, I know which one you're talking about now. It it actually featured Chuck D. Um, oh, he, okay. He was that literally makes doing sense. a spoken word. Chuck D's feature was so fucking bizarre on that song. <laughs> like he actually doesn't rap. He just he's he does a spoken word poetry in like the style of rapping, but nothing yeah. rhymes. So it just gets more and more grating <laughs> as it progresses. And I'm just like, Chuck, drop the mic. Get the fuck off this record. Because honestly, the song was okay up until this part. <laughs> so basically what like my like final notes of Meatloaf gotta be the fact that um I think that him and John when they're together makes it what it what I like about Meatloaf exist. And then Jim Steinman, you mean? What is it? Yeah, Jim Jim, Jim, Jim yeah, Steinman. Yeah, Jim. So yeah. yeah, when when they're together and they're doing you, their thing. You liked the Little John feature? You wanted more of that? <laughs> exactly. I think him and Little John together really make a good... It's the chemistry. It's just like... Meatloaf goes crunk. It's insane. <laughs> I, I like them both. Like, yeah, anyways. Uh, so, um, like, you know, it, that, that, like, that, was, that was great. Like, I really like that. What I think I had a hard time with is, like, adjusting to him tackling other genres and, like... Mm. I just I, I really liked that that part of him with like when they did their early stuff a lot. And like that was really right. amazing and it was electric and everything else just kind of felt like Meatloaf trying to jump on to different things and trying to tackle different things, which I think is really great yeah. with an artist because you should do those kinds of things. But as me listening to it and trying to consume it, it like it, it didn't jive with like what i like i yeah, i like the experimentation like, was very hit and miss yeah and it's like with with his style like like what i'm trying to say like the whole dramatized style like he's not gonna just try stuff and and like you know try and f feel what works organically he's going to like if he feels like he wants to tackle something he will fucking commit to that thing and he will like yeah push through and make it like a meatloaf fucking rap song or whatever you know what i mean like and there's literally, there's a song on one of the early '80s albums that has like a yeah. special style ska song on it. So, so oh god, I forgot about that. Wasn't that? <laughs> it sounded like a fucking police cover. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of it's it's not a police cover, but Sounds it's in that like same like it's very song. clear. It's very clear somebody heard a police yeah. song or or yeah. a special song. I... Mm -hmm. I don't like when he does that. I don't like when he does that kind of stuff. Like to me, it's just like, dude. Like, I get because that you really there want, because like, there he's isn't just doing a too much. Creative, you know what I mean? Like, like for me, like Steinman like, was a singular really, creative voice making that first and second record. After that, it's kind of just like, give me some shit to sing because yes. like I have a career here yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's like every writer in the possible fucking book is on right. every yeah. other record. After exactly, that. exactly. So and Steinman. so, yeah. And and that's that's where it worked, you know what I mean? And like the organic likeness of that, like is yeah. what I look for in music. It's just like when things really, really jive well together, like that that organicness is what attracts me as a listener. And so 
for most of other uh, of the other meatloaf stuff, it just didn't do it for me. That's uh, that's not really a hot take. I think pretty much everyone here is in agreement that like that bad bad hell is like far and away. So I mean, I think the entire world kind of agrees that like that and record. And the one right special. after bad out of hell. Uh, what's it called? Dead um, ringer. Dead ringer. ringer is also ringer fine. Dead is, Ringer is Moderna is Part Two kicking in, Drew. <laughs> Why? Because I rub my arm. Yeah, you I sound a little drowsy. A, I think I, I have a. I'm not. I'm not drowsy. I, I just have a little bit of a headache. I noticed like, that on starting. the on the Pfizer, a yeah. little bit of a headache, and I felt a little yeah. hazy. Um, but that and like my phone now says it has 5G. Like I don't know if that's. <laughs> oh no. <related>. Robots <laughs> in your blood. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, like, what are you guys thinking? of going further into like the latter discog or like, I feel like kind of, I think you're good. Yeah. I think you're good. And and to anybody, you know, like I did with Billy holiday last week where I was like, here's what you should listen to. If you Mm -hmm. didn't listen along with us, uh, I think bad out of hell is so far and away removed from the rest of his catalog from a quality standpoint um that it's almost kind of not worth mentioning the rest of the catalog uh it's like bad out of hell is amazing you should listen to bad out of hell kind of regardless of who you are because it's such a great uh piece um and then if you really really fucking like that record and you are okay with something that is a like kind of a fraction of what this is then you can check out his other stuff um, I would I would recommend the Bat Out of Hell trilogy, um, probably some deeper cuts. I'd say Dead Ringer, um, and probably maybe Braver Than We Are. It's not the best record, but it is the final one with Steinman. and there are at least some interesting, especially if you're like a big Meatloaf fan, like have dissected a lot of his and Steinman's work. It's kind of a yeah. nice nod to the people who have joined along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and just experimentally, and I think experiment wise, it just kind of clicks a little bit better than like hell in a handbasket where it just jumped everywhere with very, yeah. very hit and miss results. I think it was a little bit more consistent and it's not just because Jim Steinman was literally the producer, but, <laughs> but, um, shall we, uh, shall we do the slap count if there is yeah. uh, nothing else yeah. to go over? Yeah, no, there really, there isn't much. Right. I think you went last time. Uh, I think you went last. I'm about to say, I see some lights outside your house. It was just going by. No. Are you getting busted <laughs> into right now? <laughs> no, I was an ambulance or some shit. Um, <laughs> all right, so Bryce, you went last last time, so you go first now. Hold on. I'm ready. I think you went, I think you went last last time. Meat? Sure. Yeah, I think you did. Loaf. Uh... It's so hard. It's this is the hardest one for me because Bad Out of Hell is a five. Bad Out of Hell is a fucking five all day and all night. That fucking record's amazing. But then then he makes twelve other albums, uh, <laughs> eleven other albums rather. Uh, that just they really aren't aren't there. Um. I I just I want to reiterate that fact. Like, uh, Better Hell's a five. The fucking record's great, uh, which is the theme of the whole episode. But uh, Meatloaf on his own. If every, if anyone is like, 
Uh, all right. I'm gonna fucking uh fucking meatloaf on shuffle, dude. <laughs> like, uh, is it is he fucking is it gonna be a, a fucking great song? Uh, it's probably not. No, it's probably gonna be that's in, Russian uh, roulette with a fully loaded AK. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's and yeah, yeah. It, it, and so uh, like a three. I have it like a three. Um, if it had, and like I said earlier, if it had been everything, because mm, I listened to Bad Out of Hell first, and when I got to the end of that record, I was like, this is going to be a good week, fellas. Like, this is going to be, we're going to have a the same way. We're going to have a great way. time this week. This is going to be a great week. <laughs> and as every progr- album progress, you're like, wait. And then it just no. yeah, and then it just never got better. It just got varying degrees of like like yeah, and so and so I that was the biggest bummer for me is that I got to the end of that record. I was like, this is gonna be fucking great. We're gonna have a great time. And just it wasn't like that. So it's like a three. It's like a three for me, man. All right, Drew, did you want to go next, or do you want me to go next? You can go next, Greg. All right, I'm. I'm probably going to have to go with a generous four just because I think the high points I've gone to quite a lot. Like I said, the bad of hell trilogy, I do enjoy those records a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think there are high points off his later career records that I do think deserve some note. And while not every experimentation he's done in his later career has been, has been great. It's definitely hit and miss as a, like a consistent project uh his 80s stuff is absolutely worse than that so (laughs) i'm glad that in his later career he just decided to say fuck it and just try different things and while it didn't work all the time at least in a way it was at least admiring in a way i'm not sure if that's the adjective i'm looking for admirable admirable yeah um Especially that Lil John one. I, I swear to God. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was actually thinking, but in some bizarre way, I can listen to it and go, you know what? I respect this. As fucking <laughs> awful as this is, I respect it. And I've gone back to it a couple times just to be like, I still can't believe this exists. <laughs> but yeah, Meatloaf, I would say, is a generous four. I think he's a really solid vocalist and i think his high points truly stand the test of time and i, I think, think he's an exceptional vocalist yeah. i, I, I want to make that clear i think he's an exceptional yeah. vocalist. No, i think i think we all gotten that part through um yeah and that his high points are definitely worth noting he's got a real i i wanted to bring this up before we go to drew that first record bad out of hell he's got a real it's very interesting he's got a real like bruce springsteen thing to his voice that he does uh and it sounds like a fucking musical with bruce springsteen in the fucking lead role and it's super weird <laughs> but he's got this very whispery kind of tone the, the way that he sings huh, i didn't even think uh, of that comparison but no you're right yeah, yeah. <laughs> the voice is so good in bad out of hell for sure yeah yeah true we're talking about this fucking artist, right? The whole artist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a two, baby. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm going I'm going on the fucking hard end of that shit, man. Like, I don't care if you write the fucking masterpiece of the century. If you have fucking eleven albums that come after that shit that suck a fat dick, you can get fucked. Sorry. Sorry. It's a two because of Bad Out of Hell and how good it was. But it is no more. I'm sorry. I'm tired of being generous. Like, 
I'm not going to listen to Meatloaf ever, probably, except for if it's going to be Bad Out of Hell. Um, I If I never hear another ballad in my life, I will be grateful uh, after how many fucking ballads I listened through with fucking Meatloaf. And, like, some of them were great. Like, the Bad Out of Hell ones and the ones on, uh, God, the one right after Bad Out of Hell. Um, Dead the Ringer. Yeah, yeah, Dead Ringer. Like, those, great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even that thing with Cher. Killer. <laughs> Which is saying a lot, because Cher is laughable as well. Um, But, like, man, like, how did you fuck this up after something that good? You know what I mean? Like, ugh. Sad. I mean, it's, it's it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that he didn't really write. You know, yeah, he much. was at the mercy of what the writers were going to give yeah. him, right? So, so I get that. And, and as a talent, he's he, he's amazing. But a talent doesn't make great content <laughs> uh, if they aren't writing the stuff and if they're they not consistent if with it. The talent it. is not like used properly. It goes yeah. down the shit really fast. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um. So yeah, I mean, like, I've been really like giving out fours, like all mimbly bimbly. But it took it took me it took meatloaf to break you of your habit of giving everybody a four. It's a four, a four, a four, a four, and a two. Yeah, dude, I really don't like uh man, like it was exhausting. This I haven't week, gotten man. to a two yet, but I'm sure we'll get there. You're you're I feel like you're very open minded. It's gonna be tough for you, I feel like to Yeah. You're out you're out here just like High on dope as the Paula Abdul of the group. It's a tie. It's literally a tie just in different places with the Chemical Brothers. Because I gave Meatloaf a three. Drew gave him a two. Greg gave him a four. Whereas I gave Chemical Brothers a two. Drew gave him a four. And Greg gave him a three. And so it's they're both nines. The episode has flipped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just... um. I And I it, it is a bummer because I, I again... I getting off of uh uh bad out of hell. I was like, yeah. I'm, let me I'm like ready. Let me reiterate the fact that bad out of hell is a five, like hundred <laughs> percent. But like, it was just like literally like I'm holding up the finger and it's just like bang, like dead ringer. <laughs> and then like the eighties just came and we're like, <laughs> two, sorry, like. And then you tried the record. And then they were like, they like, came back and they were like, hey guys, like we got we got new stuff. Alternative rock. Uh, no, fuck that shit. Actually, like, no, like, sorry, like, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, I think that his voice works very specifically for a certain thing. After it worked so well in this one thing, and I'm not always one to be like, if it's if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, but in this case scenario, to, buddy, to, re to reference a like, song, if it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly what he did um yeah i mean like good for him for like doing his thing you know what i mean i love that for him i it just ain't for me <laughs> sorry i i had to do it to him i, well, I want you now to make like an album of nothing but sampling meatloaf songs and they're like how can i make this sound good <laughs> what would you what would you be most likely to sample drew if you were going to sample a meatloaf thing the little John what? <laughs> <laughs> Just the what? That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, it's taken from the fucking meatloaf collab. <laughs> <laughs> yes, meatloaf did it. Fuck you. 
It works. Uh, <laughs> I feel like um, we recommended another artist that we were going to follow this up with. I don't remember who it was. It was Drew's recommendation. Somebody who recently passed. Oh, oh, um, Shock G. Shock G. Do you want? Do you want to do Shock G? Hump the hump, baby. The hump the hump. I mean, we could. It's another rap artist. Um, last one we did was Run. Mm-hmm. Um, the first we could we do that. Yeah, I was saying the last rap artist that we have dove into was Run, DMC. Um, That's an option. Chat, if you're there, now's your time to make any suggestions. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, Shakti's an option. We still we have been talking about Lana Del Rey. um, Uh, Yeah, yeah, which is a possibility. Um, uh, I'm just wondering when are we gonna do baby metal, fellas? You know when are we gonna get in there? I already know baby metal. It's <laughs> I've got I've gotten a little bit of some baby metal in my ears, and I kind of fuck with it to be all honest. <laughs> I know, I know. It's oh, just man. It's, it's weeby enough for you, man. <laughs> it's, it's not even that it's weeby. It's just fucking Super like weeby. <laughs> no, it's like why do we have to have some macho fucking guy going? Ugh! on every metal song you know what i mean like sure. why don't we have some like little girly fucking shit on some heavy fucking shit like you know what i mean what a what this an is interesting where you also listen to poppy i disagree and that's literally what it is it's just slightly yeah. more industrial yeah 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 what is it poppy i disagree uh it came out 2020 i really love the fuck out of that record it's just it has like the cutesy kind of pop shit and then just all of a sudden just super low end <laughs> guitar just <laughs> Scoobity Boobity just said, are you guys familiar, aside from the greatest hits, Bob Marley? <laughs> yes. yes. Very much so. Very familiar. Yeah. Uh, I, Me and Bryce uh, especially, I don't know, because like... I am, I am mildly We familiar, literally play but... like ska and reggae in our band, so I mean... Yeah, I mean, elements come... of it. We don't play just straight... I, I know enough of Bob Marley's songs outside of the greatest hits and the Wailers to... We've previously done covers of like deep cut Bob Marley songs, so so yes, uh, Bob Marley's. Uh, I did, I did have a, I did have a suggestion from someone that we eventually do the Wiggles. No, nope. uh, <laughs> sorry, not even for the meme. I'm sorry. No, nope, nope. Yeah. Especially after fucking going through meatloaf, bro. Like I can't do that. I got to do something that I might have some enjoyment in. Um, you don't like fruit salad? Okay, so listen, like, Shock G is even difficult for me right now just because it's kind of like older boom bap rap. And, like, mm-hmm. I do think that Shock G is really cool. There's some influence there with, like, Parliament Funkadelic. I think maybe we put it off for maybe a few more weeks. Okay. Um, well, here's, here's I just want to si- do something that might be exciting, kind of, like, and I need a gimme, basically. Here's a suggestion that I have Voodoo Glow Skulls. Are either of you guys Voodoo Glow Skulls guys? Not Have a you listened goddamn to them? clue. I haven't heard of Sean, Sean has forced me to try and listen to it before. But whenever Sean tries to force me to listen to something, I don't want to listen to it. Yeah, it's like reading in school. You ever read a, have a book in school that they force you to read and then you yeah. read it years later and you're like, I like this. Why did I fucking hate it in school? Right. Um, so Voodoo Glow Skulls is definitely an option. Voodoo Glow, sure. Voodoo Glow Skulls are uh, a uh, uh, Spanglish heavy ska punk band from uh, uh, California. Um, they're not like super big though, are they? No, they're they're... 
fairly underground, and that's maybe the biggest knock against doing them. Some other artists that I have on my short list here, uh, Alanis Morissette. Never listened to any Alanis Morissette stuff personally, mm. um, but I know, she had. I know the big record, and I listened to her last record, but I don't remember it much. So, mm-hmm. how many albums of Discog do we need to be able to qualify something? <sighs> I don't know. F- five (laughs) arbitrarily uh i definitely want it to be more than like one or two records i was trying Uh, to swoop back around to play you want to do baby we could do baby metal you want fucking do baby metal Nah, it's okay i was trying to swoop back around for me i already know oh right i forgot i forgot (laughs) i was trying to swoop i was trying to swoop back around to playboy cardi oh fuck (laughs) i i'll give him a try i mean what does he have, like, four records? Like, three albums and a mixtape or some shit? He has three uh, three full lengths. Hold on, let me just double-check to make sure they're full lengths. Yeah, what full are we lengths. doing and why? I'm confused. Playboy Cardi is, like, one of the bigger names in modern uh, trap rap. Oh. It is the Kill most me now. mumbly of mumble rap out there. Probably. <laughs> are you guys just picking things that... Because you know I will not like them now. Is that the point? Here's the thing. I don't know if I'm going to like it either. I only, I've only i only heard Playboy Cardi on like a couple features, and I'm going, uh, Scoop no. said, Scoop said, hell yeah, Cardi. I don't, I don't care what Scoop says. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Um, Maybe mm. if we did like a like a poll or something and then we were just forced to but uh, fuck i wish dude i wish that like you haven't done like a huge deep dive on death grips already because like i feel like that would have been cool oh i was on death grips from the start (laughs) what about a what about a country boy do you guys want to do a country we could do a country artist you want to do like bill like billy joe shaver you ever done billy joe shaver he's like a big outlaw country guy for outlaw country nuts i think i'm gonna pass on country this for this round okay right, so we'll, what do you we, want we'll you keep that. bringing stuff up you keep shooting it down what do you want what do you want to listen to let's do lana del rey this round yeah right. yeah let's do okay. lana the my one of my suggestions from like the first episode and it finally rolls back around <laughs> <laughs> she's got a huge discog and like honestly like massive following it's it's definitely a different sound compared to meatloaf so if anything sure. it's gonna be like the polar sure. opposite from the only record I've heard, so yeah, I think that might be might be a good one. Cool, cool. All right, I so... think that's that's a fine idea. All right, wait, have you guys actually have you guys ever dove into Pearl Jam? Yep. Okay. Well, I'm glad you have because I haven't. Yeah. Um, because like everyone's, I, like... I feel bad whenever someone brings up the names. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. It's yep. fine. It's fine. No, I. It's fine. Everything I've listened to of them on the radio. And even on like Lithium, Sirius XM, when they give you more deep cut stuff, I've never heard a song where I'm like, whoa, Pearl Jam. I was gonna check it out. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Are you guys gonna do the whole song? Jesus Christ. Nice try, Scoop. Nice try, Scoop. He tried to suggest 311. I've listened to a lot of 311. Classic. I, 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 yeah, I would have probably given 311 a shot, but 
I'm kind of glad that you have heard them. <laughs> wait, the wait, two wait, songs wait. I've heard from them, I don't really care for. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Have I really? Hold on. How many albums do they have? Several, I think. Nah, I probably only know their top ones, actually. Hmm. Dude. Who, who are we talking about? 311. We could do 311. I Yeah, I've never... They have all. They have stuff all the way up to 2019. Hmm. So let's do. Let's do. Let's do 311, bruh. Wait, are we hold doing? on. So, <laughs> no, dude, we have to do 311 because guess what date the next fucking podcast is on? Oh, it's on. It's on May 11th. But still, <laughs> we gotta do that. It's really close. <laughs> <laughs> Two months after we're doing, the day, we're doing three eleven to five eleven, dude. Let's fucking go! Hell yeah, Drew! I don't, I don't Damn have it, the energy. Drew. I don't have the energy to argue with you. But beautiful, we'll do 3-11. it. We'll Tune in right, next fine, week, fine. everybody. Three fucking eleven, baby. <laughs> I love that. I love that because I don't really. I know, like down. I know Amber. I know. Um, hold on. Like literally just the top tracks like I Amber, I'm too hungry Beautiful Disaster, <laughs> Love Love Song, uh all mixed up. Like yeah, like yeah, dude. It's just gonna be so tubular, bro. Like we're gonna we come will in ju- with- we we will change it to three eleven, but only because it's your week. <laughs> Great. So excited. So excited. It's actually Scoop's suggestion. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Scoobity Boobity. <laughs> I know I, I I do care what you think. Sometimes. Uh he is in the Discord now. <laughs> ha! Goose, Goose, thanks for popping in. She went 311. Oh my god, I'm in. Alright, Goose, uh, listen to the entirety of 311's Discog, not just the top songs. We're going through this together, everybody. It's gonna be a journey and a half. <laughs> Bring your hacky sacks. We're not doing journey. Your shitty weed and your fucking like frisbees with you next week because you're gonna yeah. need them yeah bro. rock your freshest janko jeans <laughs> thanks for joining us on this wonderful adventure we'll be back next week with volume 6 311 uh please subscribe to the show tell your friends share it around music is better with friends as we always say here and uh join our discord tinyurl.com slash rock of shame that's the place to go we're having a uh, we're gonna have a big party over there with all of our uh, awesome discord uh people talking about music uh great place to do that tinyurl.com slash rock of shame that's the place man the place uh but for now uh and until next time your favorite band is out there go and find them <laughs>